Good morning. Good to see you guys. Um, yeah, what was I going to say? I always feel like I have something to say when I come up here, and then I forget. Um, this morning, we're going to be... Do I, do I need to remember something before we get started? Okay, so this morning... Um, you know, as, as usually, we'll, uh, we'll have team intercession um, Wednesdays, uh, 8 to 9. But we just felt this uh, this week we wanted to do something a little different just because of what Jeff is sharing about missions and kind of calling us into really asking the Lord the question, Lord, what would you have me do, you know? And I, and I think what, what Jeff is probably confronting is he's confronting the mindset that just defaults into something, you know, like the Western mindset that just kind of defaults into, well, I don't know what I'm going to do, so I'm just going to, you know, do what my parents says, or I'm just going to do what my culture says, you know. And and I think that's kind of what he's challenging. So just along those lines, we wanted to, we, we heard that Garth and Carolyn were in town. They're speaking down at the ship's DTS. Um, so we wanted to have them in and, and, and just share a little bit with us. Um, Garth has been in Cambodia for more than 10 years now and speaks fluent Khmer, and I, I believe both of you guys probably do, and your two kids as well. But um, they're doing an amazing work there and helped start a base. Um, I don't, yeah, I guess when you guys came there, which is just Liz, if Liz is in here, is she in here? Well, you guys know Liz, but Liz and I were on a team to Batambang in Cambodia, which is where they live, about three years ago, and um, had an amazing time and just really saw what God was doing. And just um, so many of the local people were coming to faith and beginning to run with, you know, the, the ministries in YOM and, and, and basically beginning to take over, you know, leadership and just do amazing things. God was just on the move. And um, so we just wanted to have Garth come in and Carolyn as well and just share with us just, you know, what could life and missions look like? You know, can we can we really do it or do we need to be some kind of a super Christian, you know? Um, and um, so he's just going to share a little bit. Uh, maybe they both will. Um, but let's just welcome them. And guys, if you want to come up, I'll just pray for you. Father, I just, uh, I just pray that you'd open our hearts this morning. Um, we want to hear from you, and we want to we want to receive truth that you have for us this morning. I just pray, Father, that you would begin to put nations on our hearts this week. God, that we would uh, reach a place of just joyful surrender, uh, just being ready to say yes to anything that you have for us. So I just pray that you bless Garth and, and speak through him this morning, and I pray you make our ears attentive to hear what he has to say in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Marco. You guys like Marco? Isn't he a great guy? Dude, I was so impressed with him. And Marco's like, yes, I am. Uh, I was so impressed with him when he came a couple of years ago to Bong and just uh, really want to encourage you guys. You guys have some great leadership here in the Engage crew. We've known Joe for a number of years as well, and just really good place to be running after Jesus with some really, really awesome people that you can trust and really just have their eyes set on Jesus. So it's... Uh, what week five for you guys? Week six? Yeah, yeah. All right, week five. Good. Are you guys enjoying the DTS? Yeah. Is God doing stuff in your lives? Yes. Uh, so a little bit of just history on us. Uh, my wife and I, we both did our DTSs here in Kona in uh, way back, long, long time ago in two thousand. I did mine in two thousand two. And somebody went, whoa, I wasn't even born then. Uh, <laughs> I was 
five then. Uh, and Caroline did her DTS here in 2003. And then we were around here. I was staffing DTSs. I did an SBS. Caroline did an SBS. And uh, I went to Cambodia a number of times. And just so you know where I come from, I did not come to YWAM to get into missions. I came to have a good experience. And that was just, that was it. It's like graduated from university, about to go to graduate school, a little gap in between, looked at getting a job. It was 9-11, the economy tanked. Surprise, surprise. Seems like that happens every five years, huh? Uh, and so there weren't, weren't any awesome jobs. So I was just like, oh, I'll go do something for God and see the world and then go back to my plan. And uh, just had a radical encounter with Jesus here in Kona about 13, 14 years ago. And my prayer for you is that in your DTS, you would not just have a good experience. Because I'm, that's, that's just what I came for. Like, my thought of YWAM was kind of like, oh, it's like a summer camp on steroids, you know, like a long, a long summer camp. Go have an experience with Jesus, get on cloud nine with Jesus, and then go back and do my thing. And uh, I, I believe that's not the Lord's heart. For your time here. I believe God does not want you to have just a good experience. He wants to have you to have a radical encounter with Jesus that you'll never be the same. That you will never, ever just be able to go back to life as normal. Yes, tracking this morning? Yeah, good. Uh, and so just want to encourage you this morning that Jesus has so much for you if you will really give all to him. And that's really the question of, I believe, the week that Jeff is sharing on with kind of lordship and missions and really inviting you into, into Jesus' story. And that's really the question. That's the question of all of our lives. Are we going to live our lives for our story and our legacy, or are we going to live our lives and be a part of his story? And so uh, I, I just want to continue on with that kind of theme this morning and just invite you into missions. It's really easy to go to say, Go into missions, go into missions. And I think the heart from Jeff and I, not, not, not a proud way, but as we've been on the field for a number of years, is say, come, come into the mission field. And you guys, it's, in some ways, it's very, very challenging, but life is challenging no matter where you go. Like if you live in America or you live in Canada or wherever your home country is, you will have challenges. And if you move locations, all you're doing is trading the challenges. And so there are challenges in life. And so I'm not going to stand up here and say, oh, life's just easy and, and perfect in Cambodia. Cambodia is hot. Uh, like there's only a couple places in the world hotter than Cambodia. Okay. So it's hot. I sweat like a fat kid in a sauna, like just, uh, just constantly dripping. You're like, please don't give us that imagery. Uh, but uh, it's just hot and it's not always easy. But God is doing such an awesome thing. And it's such a privilege for us to be a part of it. And so this morning, just um, I was asking these guys last week, you guys had Lauren and Darlene. Did you guys have David Hamilton as well for the corporate week or not? Okay. So you had the kind of the family corporate week. And this morning and last night, as I was just thinking about our time together, I kept getting this phrase that Darlene oftentimes speaks about. And she, I think, spoke last week about it. And it is this, what is in your hands? You guys remember that message from last week? So I was kind of hoping that she hadn't shared because it'd be something new. But then I'm like, oh, God must be up to something. It must be even better. So I just really believe that God wants to reiterate that, that idea of whatever is in your hands, he's going to use that if you're willing to give it to him. 
throughout the Bible, there are conditional statements. A conditional statement is that, that word if. So when you see the Bible or in the Bible, you see the word if, it's really good to circle it because basically usually what God's saying is, I'm promising you something, but there's a condition on that promise. There's a part that you have to play in that promise. Does that make sense? It's like when your parents go, hey, we'll give you a trip to Hawaii if you get straight A's. You know, like there's incentive, like you got to do your part and then he'll do his part. And this morning I want to encourage you, if you will give all to Jesus, if you will give all to Jesus, if you will give whatever he's put in your hands, because all of us have something in our hands, if you'll do it, he will multiply and he'll use it and he will blow your brain on how awesome and how big he is and what he can do through you. I'm going to tell you stories this morning of simple people, some of them who sat in these same chairs, not just myself and my wife, but other people sat in these same chairs 10, 8, 10 years ago, and God's using them to do radical things. You, <laughs> There's no superstar missionaries, baby, okay? And for sure, I'm not one of them. I got my struggles and my issues, and I'm just trying to journey with Jesus. And uh, so don't think that you have to have it all together. God can use you right now as you are if you will give all. So uh, I, I love the Bible, and I hope you love the Bible. So let's open our Bibles, and we'll just read a couple verses uh, from a story in First Kings. And we'll talk about this idea of what is in your hands. Uh, and I like to tell stories, but whenever we, we talk about Jesus, I want to read his word. I want to encourage you, know God's word, love God's word, um, Two, one of the biggest problems with our generation of Christianity is we are illiterate when it comes to the Bible. We don't know God's word, and it's very, very dangerous. For, some, for many of us, we'll come to DTS and we'll go, and I was this way, so I'm not hating, okay? Uh, I was this way, getting rocked in DTS, and all of a sudden, I've just got a passion for God and a passion for the nations. And I'm like, God, use me to change the nations. I want to go to the nations. Anybody starting to feel that way just a little bit? Yeah, some of you are like, oh, yes, but it's kind of scary. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, don't worry. Uh, for me, when I got to Wyoming, I was like, this is really cool. And when I go back and I finish graduate school and I make a ton of money, now I have a bunch of poor friends that I can give my money to. That, that was where I was, my, my kind of worldview of what I thought my life was going to be about, okay? And then all of a sudden, God called me into being a Wyoming living on support. And so just, just really just be sensitive to God. But I want to encourage you. I didn't know the, the word of God when I came. I'd never even read the Bible all the way through. I want to challenge you, read God's word. You know, you can read the whole Bible in 72 hours. Challenge you all to read the whole Bible in your DTS. Think about it. You, you've been here for a month. You've got about four months left. If you do the math on that, if you read the Bible, if you read the Bible about 35 to 40 minutes a day, you can read the whole Bible by the time you graduate. If you can't read it in your DTS, you probably will never read it. Think about how busy life is. This is a time where God's set apart for you to know him more. Just want to encourage you know your word. So in 1 Kings chapter 17, there's a story about Elijah and just a little bit of a, a backdrop. If you don't know much about Elijah, the guy, man, if you think there's a superhero missionary, this guy is it. I mean, he just does crazy stuff. Beginning of chapter 17, we'll look at chapter 17. Beginning of chapter 17, he, uh, he, he's praying to the Lord and basically says, hey, God, don't let any rain come down on Israel. 
bam, no rain. You're like, whoa, guy can control the weather. Then he, uh, he, he's sitting there and he needs food. Ravens start bringing him meat and water. So like God sending animals to feed him. Just crazy stuff is happening to this guy. He's going to, in chapter 17, heal a guy. In chapter 19, he's going to then call for rain to come down. He's going to call for fire to come down. And then he's going to run faster than horses and chariots. So if you're looking for a godly guy that can do some crazy stuff, Elijah's pretty legit, okay? Uh, and you'll read in chapter 19, he's got, he, he falls into some challenges as well. But in chapter 17 and verse 8 and following, Basically, God calls him to a place, and he, he goes there, and there is a woman there, and it's not in Israel, okay? So this woman doesn't believe in God, does not believe in Yahweh, the God of the Old Testament, has no idea about the story of God's people. She's, she's a pagan widow. She's not got, a, not got a husband, so she's in a really hard place because at that time in that culture, if you did not have a husband— it was a really rough life. She's got a son. Her son's really sick. They're all out of food, and they're about to die, basically. And we're going to read this story, and uh, Elijah's going to roll up, and it's just it's kind of interesting because he has the audacity to go, hey, your son's dying. You're dying. You have your last meal. Hey, can you get me some water and make me a, a loaf of bread? And you're like, if I was a lady, I'd be like, who are you and where'd you come from? You're a foreigner up in this house. Get out of here. Why are you asking for my water and my bread? I'm about to die. Let me have my meal by myself. And she doesn't respond that way. She actually responds in generosity and gives. And so then we'll see what Jesus does. And so just read in chapter 17, uh, verse 8 and following. Then the word of the Lord came to him saying, go now to Zarephath. Just a note, when you read the Bible, if you get to big words, names, or uh, cities, and you don't know how to say it, just say it fast, say it quick, nobody knows the difference, okay? Zarephath, uh, <laughs> which belongs to Sidon, and live there, for I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he set out and went to Zarephath. When he came to the gate of the town, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel so that I might drink. As she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing. I have nothing baked, only a handful of meal in a jar and a little joy, oil in a jug. I am now gathering a couple of sticks so that I may go home and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. So, I mean, just when you read the Bible, try to get yourself into the story. Imagine you're a widow. You have basically no value in the culture. You've got one son. He's about to die. You're about to die. You're going out to pick up sticks to cook your last meal. And this random guy rolls up to you. He's like, can I get some water? Can you make a loaf of bread for me with your last food? And she's like, what? What are you talking about? And then he says this in verse 13. Eliza said to her, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And I felt like we'll get back to that. But I feel like that's the heartbeat of what God wants to say to you. What's in your hands? Use it for Jesus. Give it to Jesus. He'll multiply it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. If you're willing to give it all to Jesus, he'll do miraculous things through you. And that's what's going to happen through this widow. And so he says, Elijah said to her, do not 
be afraid. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of meal will not be emptied and the jug of oil will not fail until the day that the Lord sends rain on the earth. She went and did as Elijah said, so that she as well as he and her household ate for many days. The jar of meal was not emptied, neither did the jug of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke to Elijah. And so we see that this this lady, she has very little. All of us in this room have a whole lot more than this lady had. And Jesus, basically, God comes and says, will you, will you give all that you have? And, and see, Jesus never asks us to do anything that he doesn't do first. So Jesus comes to earth as God, and he gives it all. In submission to the Father, he gives it all for us. And that's the good news. That's why we're here, because we love Jesus, because we want to respond to Jesus. You guys love Jesus? Yeah? You guys awake this morning? Yeah? You guys love Jesus? Okay, good. There we go. Uh, I'm feeling engaged by the engaged ETS now. Uh, So that's why we're here, because Jesus gave it all. And then Jesus comes and he basically says, hey, if you want to follow me, then will you give it all? And it's not works. It's not because we're trying to earn approval from the Father. The, The Father already loves us. It's not that we're called into missions because that's a more holy calling. It's a response to who he is as a good daddy. And we're willing to say, I'll do anything, anywhere, anytime because of who you are. Because of your character and nature. You're a big daddy and you're a good daddy. And I can trust you. I can trust you with everything. I can trust you with all of my life. Actually, you're much more trustworthy than I am. Because you know me better than I am. And so I can trust you with my plans. See, when I came to my DTS, I had all my plans. I didn't trust God with any of them. I had a tight grip on all of them. This is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. Because my culture's trained me that to be successful, you need to have a 10-year plan. And you need to check all these boxes. And, you know, in America, we talk about the American dream. But the reality is around the world, whatever country you come from, from Cambodia to Canada to Cameroon, it's the same story. If you go to school, get a good education, get a good job, make a lot of money, get married, buy a house, and have all this stuff, have two and a half kids and a puppy dog with a white picket fence in America, or a villa in Cambodia, whatever it looks like in your context, then you will be satisfied. That's what the culture feeds you. It's what was fed to me. But it's not true. The only place that you will be satisfied is as you respond to who God is. Because he has created you for more than the two and a half kids and the five bedroom house and a puppy dog with a white picket fence. You were created to walk and journey with him. Tracking this morning? And so all he's asking you to do is what's in your hand? And will you give it all to me? And the widow comes and he, she gives the oil, just a little bit of oil. And God does a miracle. And it never runs out. and just keeps multiplying. Now, some of us come this morning and you're like, I got nothing in my hands. But that's not true. We all have things that God's put in our hands. 
We'll have gifts, talents, skills, stuff that's put in, been put in our hands. And if you will give it to Jesus, he will use you to bring transformation to nations. He will use you in ways that you can never imagine. So you look at Lauren and Darlene, 55, 56 years ago. What'd they do? They just used what was in their hands. God gave Lauren a vision of waves and he just went for it. You know, it'd be easy in 1960 to go, that's crazy, man. In 1960, there was no such thing as short-term missions. Wrap your head around this, guys. Lauren Cunningham has been called the deregulator of missions. Because back in 1960, to be a missionary, you had to have a degree. You had to have a Bible school degree and usually a master's in missiology. You had to have eight years of upper-level biblical training to go into the mission field. Right? That's craziness, right? Because you, Lauren just looked at the Bible and goes, Jesus trained guys for a couple months and sent them out. So that's what he started doing. Now you try to find a church in America or in the Western world, or actually in, even in Cambodia, that doesn't send a short-term missions trip. The whole landscape of missions has been transformed. God's doing something. It's not Lauren, but Lauren jumped on board and said, what's in my hands, I'll give to you. And it was costly because Lauren had been a part of a family that had been in a certain denomination for generations and generations. And he tried to have YOM be a part of that initially, and they rejected him. You talk about a hard cost in following Jesus. But he just stepped out in faith. So this is what you put in my hands. And now you look at YWAM, and YWAM is just one tribe in the body of Christ. We understand that we are not perfect. We understand that we have lots of flaws, and we love the whole body of Christ, and we're just a small piece of what God is doing. But at the same time, the multiplication that has happened through this mission in the last 56 years is absolutely outstanding and astounding. And it's not because Lauren and Darlene are perfect. One of the reasons is because they're so humble and willing to talk about all their mistakes. Do you notice that about Darlene? When she speaks, most of the time she just talks not about the glory stories, but about all the mistakes she made. It's an incredible amount of humility. And here's their formula. What's in their hands? Give it to Jesus. Jesus will multiply it. Just like the widow. We see this throughout the scriptures. I'm sure you remember this because Dar talked about it. But Moses is the same way. God comes to him and says, what's in your hand? He's like, I got a staff. What's that going to do? And then God starts using the staff to do miraculous things. And so for some of us, we come and we don't think we have anything in our hands. And that's how Moses was. And you've got something in your hands. You just got to use it. And so um, I want to tell you a little bit just about the journey that we've had in Cambodia and highlight just a couple things that God's been doing over the last 10 years, we just last month celebrated uh, 10 years of pioneering and planting a YOM base in, in Batambong, Cambodia. Um, and just so you guys know, when I first came here, I had no idea where Cambodia was in the world. If you would have asked me, I would have been like, is that in Africa? And if you don't know, it's in Asia. So I was way off. You know, it's like different continent. Okay. Uh, so I, I had no desire to live in the nations. I had no desire to be in missions or ministry. And so if you're sitting here going, I got no desire, just watch out. Because if you open up your heart and let him in, he'll transform that sucker. I'm telling you, he will change your heart. He will. He'll mess you up. He will mess you up in a really good way that you'll never be able to be the same. If you will open up and let him just come in. 
But that goes back to this question of, will you trust him? That's the foundation of all this. Do you really trust in his character and his nature? Because if you do, and you open up and you release your plans and your desires and your future to him, he can do anything through you. The impossible becomes possible, not because of you, but because of who he is. And so uh, I, I came here in 2002. God started doing lots of stuff in my life. I thought I was going back to get a law degree and a master's in business and make a ton of money and retire at 55 and have multiple houses and multiple cars and do the whole American dream. And so then God said, come back on staff. I said, okay, Lord, I will obey you because that's what we should do as followers of Jesus. So I said, okay, I'm going to put off my plans for a little bit. So I postponed my acceptance into graduate school for a year and said, okay, God, I must be really holy. Now I'm not going to give you just six months, but I will give you my whole next year, you know? And uh, you're like, I can't believe you thought that way. I was just an immature Christian. It's just, just the journey I was in. Some of you are like, I'm thinking that way too. It's okay. Just grow with Jesus step by step. It's just a journey with him. And uh, so in that year, I was staffing DTSs, and um, God started to speak and say, you're not going to go back and get trained in, in graduate school. I'm going to train you here. And uh, I did the School of Biblical Studies. I would highly, highly advise you pray about doing an SBS. SBS, in my opinion, is the best training school that we run in YWAM. Nine months, all 66 books of the Bible. You will know the Bible so, so well after nine months. And here's the deal. Whether God calls you into missions or to be a teacher or to be the president or whatever he calls you to, if you're going to make a difference for the gospel, you've got to know his word. And the SBS will give you such a strong foundation of your word. Since I did my SBS, and this is not... I don't say this in a proud way. I say this in a way to get you to value the potential of the SBS program. I, I finished a master's degree in biblical studies. I'm in a doctorate degree uh, with about biblical studies. And by far, in all of my extra studies about the Bible, nine months of the SBS is by far the most effective training in the world, in my opinion. Pray about doing an SBS. So I did an SBS. All these times on outreaches, I went to Cambodia. God started to speak to me about Cambodia. Um, I'm going to share tomorrow night at the Thursday night gathering. So you hear a little bit more about Cambodia and I don't want to steal the thunder of that. So I'll, I'll save kind of all that details, but Cambodia came out of a war, uh, and was an incredibly broken nation and still is recovering. First time I went there was in 2003, went there for for about four or five times. Then I was leading a school here in 2005. Lauren and Darlene had just come back and they were helping us kind of, it was a season that we called season of realignment. So, you know, when your car gets jacked up and the steering wheel starts to like, if you just let the steering wheel go, like you'll go off the road because it's not aligned, right? So every once in a while, we got to check our alignment and realign ourselves. And that was kind of the season that God had us in. Just realigning us with the, the foundations and the values of the Bible and of our mission. And, and they were just telling stories of how YWAMP started. And I just got floored because I, I just didn't realize, like, YWAM didn't start with us coming like I came to do a summer camp on steroids and just have a good experience. It started with a bunch of young people going, I'll give it all for Jesus. They sold everything. They went and did, it wasn't DTS then, school of evangelism, trainings. And then they just moved to Afghanistan and places like that and never came home. 
you're like, that is a long way away from where I am. <laughs> Guys, YWAM is a missions training organization. The reason we exist is to send people into long-term training. God called you here, and you've got to recognize, man, God's got more for me probably in the area of missions than I bargained for. There's a good chance I believe that many of you are called to long-term missions. Just lay all my cards on the table because I only got about 25 more minutes, okay? I believe many, if not all of you, many, many, many of you are called to long-term overseas missions. The question is, will we be obedient? And here's the deal. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're going to be called to go back to, to your country and influence a sphere of society like business or education. But here's the deal. Most of us will justify and cop out and just go, oh, I'm just going to go back. Would you lean out into missions? Because here's the deal. Less than 1%, less than half a percent, probably less than 0.1% will ever get the opportunity. Christians in the world will ever get the opportunity to do a DTS. For some reason, he picked you. Think about that. There's no coincidences in the kingdom. You're not here by chance. You're not just here because you're like, I saw U of Ancona online and I clicked yes and filled out an application. I just ended up here. That might have been how you ended up here, but it's by God's sovereignty that you're sitting in these seats because he's got a plan for your life. And it's bigger and better than your own plan. Will you trust him with your plans? Will you give it all to him? That's what the widow does. She gives it all to him. And so I'm starting to understand the roots of YWAM and go, man, we've got to challenge people to go and not come back. And so I'm leading the DTS and we challenge. It's, it's, a, uh, it's about week three. So everyone's got their tickets to Kona and home. You guys all have your tickets home already, right? You got a round trip. Well, most of you got a round trip ticket. Uh, if you don't have a round trip ticket, you're invited to come to Cambodia and just stay, okay? Uh, and uh, so most people had their round trip tickets and we started praying about outreach and we felt like God said, challenge the whole school to go on outreach, not for two months, but for six months and try to pioneer new works. So we challenged the whole school about a hundred staff and students all together and about half of them responded and said, yes, it's a mess logistically and financially. We had to change all the tickets and blah, 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 blah. But God said to do it. And so he provided and I'm in the midst of that, and I was leading the school. And when you lead the school, one of the great things about leading the school is you get to go do pastoral visits, which mean you get to travel around and see all of you wonderful people in all these different nations. And it's kind of nice because you kind of get to travel the world. So it's like, I finally get to travel the world. I've been staffing DTSs for a long time, and I finally get to do pastoral visits. And here's the kicker. We had teams because it was quite a big school, on every single continent of the face of the earth. And I'm like, going to every continent, come on, this is going to be awesome, you know? And then God says, lead a team to Cambodia, don't do pastoral visits. And I'm like, you got the wrong address, dog. Like, I'm the school leader. Like, I get to do the pastoral visit. I've been waiting for this for four years. And God's like, no, right address. Lay that down. Lead a team to Cambodia, pioneer a new work. And I argued with God for a while, and I just want to give you this hint. Don't argue with God, because if you win, you lose. Think about that later if you didn't get that. If you argue with God and you think you win, actually you lose because you're not walking in his ways. And so I finally lost, but I won because I submitted, and I led this team to Cambodia. And uh, 
We just used what was in our hands. I really wanted to start DTSs in Cambodia, SBSs in Cambodia, train up indigenous leaders. Uh, and God said, uh, don't do that yet. And he said, start, start the youth develop, start a youth center. And I was like, what's a youth center? See, Cambodia, because of the war in Cambodia, Cambodia is, according to the government, 80% under 30 years old. 42% under 15 years old. Just think about that for a second. It's an incredibly young nation because the older generation, most of them got killed in a genocide. So it's completely young. The average age in America or Canada is around 38 to 42, depending on which nation. The average age in Cambodia is 21. Incredibly young nation. God says, start a youth center. I said, what's a youth center? Open up your doors and use what's in your hand. Moses, use your staff. Widow, use the oil. We said, what's in our hand? Just use whatever you can. You know, one of the greatest tools that all of you have in this room is English. It is the door opener for the gospel in all of Asia and the Middle East. Because everybody in the world wants to learn English. And for many of us, including myself, when I moved to Cambodia, I had this immature attitude like this. I don't want to teach English on the mission field. That's not what I came here for. And God just rebuked me. He said, son, I didn't ask for your opinion. I asked for your obedience. Ooh, ooh. Because God's a loving dad, but he'll come correct sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? He will. And, and the question is, will you receive it? And so, and some of you are like, I can't believe God would say that. You haven't read the Bible very much. He'd say that. He would. And he'll come most of the time, 90%, 95% of the time, he's just going to come with loving encouragement. But once in a while, he'll drop it like it's hot on your head. He will. And, and the question is, will you receive it? And so, so we said, yes, we'll, we'll start this youth center. Best decision that we made. Uh, and so in 2006, 10 years ago, uh, we started the youth center. And I want to show you a little video about it because I've been talking for 30 minutes and you probably like videos. You like videos? So let's try to see if this works. So, um, yeah, I'll just play it and I'll tell you about it afterwards, okay? So this is the Youth Development Center that we've been running in Cambodia for the last 10 years now. It was not super cool, okay? It was like 40 or 50 students, um, and they were mostly from an orphanage that we were doing ministry at. And I think they just came because they, they felt bad for us because we were trying to open a school. And we had no idea what we were doing. And we just started using what was in our hands, guys. Everybody's got something in their hands. So we started teaching mostly English, Bible, guitar, hip-hop, dancing. I mean, we've had everything. Like, we've had Zumba classes. We've had Taekwondo. We've had drawing, art, keyboard, computer classes. You name it, we've had it. Just whatever skills come, we just use those skills. And uh, slowly it grew, and God was really faithful. And within about two or three years, we had four to 500 students a quarter, Monday through Friday, coming into to the base. Imagine 500 students from Kona descending on the base every day. Changes your world. Number one, you got a lot of people to tell about Jesus. And so it's been an epic ministry. And uh, the girl that was on there uh, that said, I started coming to the youth center uh, and I started to believe in Jesus. Her name is Nim. So I want you to learn a Cambodian name. So just 
for one second, turn to your neighbor and say, Nyim. It's a N-G-I-M. Nyim. So say Nyim to your partner. Nyim. Nyim. So I, I want to tell you about Nyim because she's, uh, for me, like these guys are the heroes of the faith. Like she's a young girl, her and her friend, and I'll tell you about her in a minute. Her name is Kuntia. Just say to your neighbor, Kuntia. Kuntia. They're best friends. They're 18, 17, 18 years old. They come to the youth center not to know about Jesus, but just because they want to learn English. And within about six months, through outreach teams like you guys, they become Christians. They start to get discipled. God starts to rock their world. They're like, I want to know more about Jesus. I want to do a DTS. So they come and do a DTS. God radically changes their life. And you heard him say, I started to know about Jesus and how much he transformed my life. And I want all the youth in Cambodia to know about Jesus so that Jesus can transform their lives. So these two girls, they're 18, 19 years old. They finish DTS. They come back on staff with us. And uh, they start working at the youth center. They start teaching English. And after about six months, Kuntia goes, I really don't like teaching English. I don't think it's my gifting. We're like, okay, what do you like? She goes, I really like business and I really like cooking. Go, okay. And uh, so we got her involved with another ministry I'll tell you about in a minute. But Nim, she was just an amazing teacher. She taught for about a year. Then eventually she basically started leading the whole youth development center. She's basically the principal, was basically the principal of the whole school about when outreach teams were there, probably about 15 to 20 teachers, 500 students. She's been saved for a year and a half. And she's leading one of the largest ministries. And she was co-leading it with somebody else with a little bit more of a mature believer. But I'm sitting here going, this is what the kingdom is about, baby. Not sitting back and waiting forever and thinking, man, I got to be 50 and have been like a super Christian and to Bible school and blah, 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 and done all these trainings. She's just like, I met Jesus. He transformed me and I'm going for it. I'm using what's in my hand. Tracking? And so I'm sitting here going, man, if we could just all be like Nim, this would be awesome. Just going for it. And Nim's not sitting there going, just be like me. She's just like, I'm just trying to be like Jesus. And just going for it. And so Nim, now it's been about five years. She's been leading DTSs uh, for the last couple of years with her husband. And that's a whole nother miraculous story. She's pregnant. She's going to give birth here any day. We're waiting for baby to come. And uh, just an epic story of seeing God raise up a Cambodian to be a leader. And that's, this is not few and far in between. We started off as a team of uh, five staff, all foreigners, zero Cambodians. And right now we're, we're about 75 staff and about 45 of those are local Cambodians. And that's, that's our goal. Let's raise up the indigenous and let's walk alongside them and champion them. And as the internationals, let's just serve this nation like Jesus. And so I just want to tell you, we want to invite you this morning to come, okay? If God stirs you and your heart for this area of the world, please come. You can come for a year or two and just teach English. You'll see so many people come to Christ. I mean, through this ministry of the Youth Development Center, over the last 10 years, we've educated 20,000 young people. Wrap your brain around that one. About 500 every single quarter. And I was the guy that was like, I don't want to do the youth center, God. I want to run DTSs. Man, I'm glad that I didn't go with my opinion and I went with obedience. 
And that wasn't because I'm brilliant. It was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. We talk about this a lot. We have no idea what we're doing, but we just keep trying to listen to Jesus and obey. So as you're in your DTS, this is the key, guys. Just listen to him and obey. Just step by step. Just journey with him. It doesn't work like the culture tells you. The culture and the kingdom is so different. Culture says, 10-year plan. Know where you're going. Have it all sorted out. And Jesus goes, just trust me. Just journey with me step by step. I'm a good dad. Will you trust me with your future? And so Nim started to do that. And her friend Kuntia started to do that as well. And so I told you, Kuntia said, I, I just don't think I'm gifted in this area. But she was willing to serve. And so that's another thing. Like a lot of times, I'm just going to just, again, I've only got 15 minutes left. So I'll just say it kind of straight here. Uh, Our culture is so bent on us doing our passions. And sometimes Jesus just calls you to meet the need. If you use your passion as a cop out for everything, it becomes an idol. Ooh, You can either say amen or ouch on that one. It's just true because we're so high strung on our passions. I'm not down in passions. I think God has put passions in you. But but be careful because if you're not careful, all of a sudden it becomes all about you and your passion and not about Jesus. I was not passionate about the youth center, but I am really glad I obeyed. And it wasn't just me. It It was a big team of people. But man, the fruitfulness. We're talking hundreds, if not thousands, of Cambodians coming to Christ through that thing. We're talking about lots and lots of Cambodians then being in long-term missions because they came to Christ through the youth center, did a DTS, and now some of them were getting ready to send out one girl to go to China to pioneer in China, and she got saved in the youth center the first year we started running it in 2006. She was a Buddhist evangelist. She would go around evangelizing people. And that's rare if you know anything about Buddhism. They're not usually evangelists. Okay? She was hardcore. God just wrecked her. Now she's going to China. That's what God does. If you open up your heart and you give him everything. Give all, Jesus will multiply. Nim's best friend, Kuntia, she goes, I like business. And I I really like to cook. And so there was, a, there was a gal that was on staff here in Kona. Her name is Anna. And Anna, um, she went to Cambodia a number of times while we were in Kona as well. And Anna's from Washington State. I'm from Washington State. And then Anna moved out to be with us. And she had always had a vision of having a restaurant. Literally, sometimes, guys, God will put something in your heart. So when Anna was a little girl, she didn't play with Barbie. She would tell her parents to come downstairs, and she would play. She had a restaurant. So she'd say, Daddy, sit down. I'm going to make you pancakes. Make pancakes and serve them to them, right? Something was put in her heart from a very young age, and she had this vision. So she came to Cambodia and said, I really want to start a cafe. And so we said, use what's in your hands. And Anna started hanging out with Kunti, and they had this vision together. And we started a cafe, and it's a, it's a business as missions project in our town. Uh, and it's gone incredibly well for about the last five, six years now. So you guys want to see a video on that? You guys like videos? And I show this to you for one reason, because sometimes we have this idea of um, to do missions, you got to like be in, a, be in a suit and teach the Bible or be like an on-the-road evangelist. And like missions is so broad these days. 
Like God can use anything in any country. Like one of the main strategies coming out of Kona is let's start CrossFit gyms in the closed nations of the world. Who thought that would be a mission strategy 20 years ago? CrossFit didn't even exist, right? And so God's using anything to advance his kingdom. And so this is uh, the cafe that we started um, about five years ago. And I'll tell you a little bit more about it after you watch this video and see the delicious food. It might make you hungry. Additional missions where a couple girls said, hey, we've got a dream. We think it's from Jesus. And they started this ministry. And there's a couple different uh, focuses. And, and one is uh, we want to influence the spheres of society. I don't know if you guys have talked much about the spheres of society. But uh, Cambodia is a place that is riddled by corruption. And we want to show what does it look like to run a godly business in our city. So that's number one. The two gals, they are full-time YWAMers. They raise all their support. They don't get a dime of the profit uh, because that's how YWAM staff roll. We trust Jesus. And then we employ 20 Cambodian locals that are not YWAMers and create jobs for them. And most of them are non-Christians. Most of them are from families that are stuck in poverty, uh, and through their jobs, they're able to provide for their families, and most of them become Christians through the years that they're working with us. And the third thing is we, uh, we want to network with different Christian organizations as well as just organizations in general, help people understand Christians aren't weird. We just love Jesus, and we just love Cambodia. Uh, and and uh, so that's a third reason. Then the fourth reason is we want to make money and pour it back into the kingdom. And so this has been quite a profitable business. And uh, last 2015, we did $150,000 of sales and profited about 35 grand, which is quite a bit of money in Cambodia. Uh, and what happens with that money is half of it goes back into the business because if you don't reinvest into your business, your business will die. We tithe on it 10%. The, the staff pray about it and they give it to places like an orphanage or YWAM in Laos to bless people. And then 40% of it goes into helping Cambodian staff uh, in YWAM basically to be long-term in missions because as you can imagine, coming from a, a country that's 2 to 3% Christian, it's pretty hard to raise support. Uh, and so it's been really, really an amazing, amazing ministry. Um, and, and so I just want you to dream big about what Jesus could use you to do if you give him all. Uh, and so, again, we see this throughout the, the Bible. Uh, Jesus feeds the 5,000. How? Little boy with the loaves and the fishes. He gives all. Jesus multiplies, okay? If you will give all, Jesus will use you to do crazy things. And so just uh, one more person I want to tell you about. Her name is Laura, and she did her DTS here in 2004, and she started our uh, Children at Risk ministry. And we've got, we've got a lot going on, you guys, and I don't have enough time to tell you about it. So if you want to check out more, you can go to uofnbadambong.com. Uh, and we've got, I don't know, 14 or 15 training schools and, and ministries. And almost all of them have two to three minute trailer type videos like this on, on the website. So if you're interested about what we're doing, we run an SBS there. If you're interested in SBS, just saying, uh, it's, I think the cheapest SBS in the world. Cause we live in Cambodia. Um, one, the whole school costs less than one quarter here in Kona. Just, just so you know. Uh, so if you're interested in Cambodia, in ministry, in more training schools, go, go to that website. Laura did her DTS here. She had a call in her life to work with kids. She had a passion for kids. She had giftings for kids. But then she also saw the massive need of children in Cambodia because the nation is so young. 
Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but there's this, it's, it's like a movement or a network called the 414 window. And uh, it's basically helping people to collaborate around reaching out to children because statistically around the world, something like 70 to 80% of Christians become Christians between the ages of four to 14. So it is an incredibly formative time in our lives, and it's an incredibly strategic time to reach out to, to children. So she saw the need in uh, Cambodia. We started to work at some orphanages, and um, let's see. I'm trying to think, think about how I can make this short, but I'll just tell you the story because it's a really good story. We're working in an orphanage, Laura and a gal named Molly, and uh, they're working in the infant house with a, a bunch of really small babies in our city. Um, they're all the orphanages. They don't take children with HIV in Cambodia. People understand what HIV is. They understand it can kill you. They don't really understand how, how it's contracted. So everyone's freaked out. There's phobia about it. You basically become an outcast if you have HIV. And so most people, lots of people, if they contract HIV, they just don't even tell anybody and they don't get medical help because it's so shameful. And so they're working in this, this orphanage, and this little baby comes in, and they're caring for her for a couple months, and then they find out that she's HIV positive. The orphanage does. And they basically stop taking care of her. And uh, I just want to tell you guys, and this might not be politically correct, but it's the truth because I live in a Buddhist nation. In the West, we think Buddhism is, like, super peaceful and, like, happy and, like, let's just sit and go, oh, and it's not, okay? Uh, straight up, the Bible says it's demonic. You might think that that's really cruel, but that's just what the Bible says. So you can talk to Jesus. And I'm telling you, basically the mindset is karma. So this baby has HIV. She's nine months old. And the idea is you deserve it because you did something in your past life that you deserve to just die from HIV. And so they stop taking care of this baby. She gets malnourished. They actually start basically abusing her. And we come in and one day she has a hole in her skull. She is on the, age, uh, on the verge of death, right? So Laura and Molly go to the director of the orphanage. We've been working with teams like you guys for a number of years. And we say, if you do not do something, if you don't, we ask, would you release her into, into our custody so we can do something? Otherwise, she's going to die. And they're like, sure, because in their worldview, she's of no value. She sinned. She has bad karma. She did something in her last life. And so they release her to us, and we're able to get her into a Christian orphanage uh, that specifically was focused on HIV uh, children. And just the, the great side of the story is this baby, seven, eight years later, is still alive. And not only is she alive, she's on all the right medication. And if you're on all the right medication, you can live basically a full life. So she has a life expectancy of 60 to 70 years. This baby would have, could have, should have died in her circumstances. But somebody like you who did a DTS 12 years ago in these same seats said yes to Jesus. And they said, we believe this girl has a life to live and there is hope for her. We're choosing life for her and Jesus has a call on her life. And so this girl's name is Jivit. Just say to your neighbor one more, one more Cambodian name, Jivit. And Jivit, here's the cool thing. Jivit's name means life. 
And Jesus saved her, and now she has life, and she's about eight years old. And that sent this, us on this journey of saying, how do we respond to this unreached people group, basically, of HIV families in our community? We looked at starting an orphanage, and, and God really clearly said, don't start an orphan, orphanage, but start a community. And so now we have a ministry called Jivet's House. Uh, it reaches out to about 45 families affected by H- uh, 45 children affected by HIV and a- HIV AIDS in families, and basically comes alongside them, similar to like a World Vision or a Compassion International support system, so that they stay in school. Because in Cambodia, everybody that has HIV is in a poverty-stricken situation, and in Cambodia, to stay in school, you have to pay to go to school, you have to pay to have uniforms, you have to pay to take the tests. The whole system's corrupt. To pass and get through high school, you have to pay, basically. 50% of kids drop out of high school in Cambodia. And so we come alongside them, make sure they have enough money to keep going to school, make sure they have enough nutritional value to stay healthy, and then make sure that they get somehow some skills to equip them so they can break the poverty cycle. And along with that, basically invite them into a community where they can understand the disease that they're dealing with. They can understand how to get health care to help them live a long, healthy life and then give them hope with Jesus. And so that's, that's only one part of the children at risk ministry that we do. We do an, another whole side of things that's like King's Kids and Kids Clubs and rural villages and stuff. But this is a girl who was uh, 20, 22 in a seat just like you 12 years ago. She said yes to Jesus. God can use you to influence nations, to bring hope to little, girl, little baby girls like Chivit if you will say yes to him. So the question this morning is, what's in your hands? Everybody's got something in their hands. And will you trust Jesus with that? And will you say yes to him and say, I'm all in? And that's really, I believe the heart of the Lordship Missions Week is, will you say, I'm all in? He's already said he's all in for you. And now, because he's a good dad, will you say yes to him? So that was just the heart piece that I had for you guys this morning. I want to pray for you in a second just before we end. But Marco just asked that I would pause and just say, do you guys, I just unloaded for like 55 minutes or an hour. Do you guys have any questions about Cambodia, about missions, about anything? Uh, questions are really good. I love questions. So any questions this morning? If you have a question, probably somebody else has the same question. So any questions are good questions. Anything rolling around in your head about any of the ministries that we talked about with youth, Cafe Eden, with kids, SBS, getting trained, missions? Yes. So I led a team. Great question. What was your name? Nada. And where are you from? Egypt. Awesome. Is this your guys' first Egyptian friend? Yeah? Yet Egyptians are awesome. They'll change your world, Okay. Get to know Nada. She, I'm sure the Egyptians have, a, have an anointing, you know? And so, uh, so we led a team there for six months, and there was 10 of us on the team. And we challenged the team from the beginning, we're going to pioneer long-term. We're going to stay. So three months through the outreach, we started renting the first base, the first facility, and we moved in. And we bought stuff long-term, and we started the youth center. We ran the youth center for three months, and then the team went home. We graduated them. And by that time, we had got uh, our first two staff. So myself and the, and the co-leader, we came back. We were four and soon five. And then from that first team, within three months after we finished the outreach, five came back. And we just slowly grew. 
to 5, 10, 15. So we just kept going. So go and don't go home. You're like, yeah, right. Just wait. He might call you. So it's a great question, Nada. Anybody else? Really good questions. Yeah, great question, bro. What's your name? James, where are you from? Okay, awesome. Um, I think Jeremy Curry spoke last week at the, at the Thursday night gathering about Nepal. And his story is he just said yes and went with his friend to Nepal. And his friend had felt like he had a call. And apparently he didn't tell you the part that after six months, his friend went home and Jeremy just said yes and stayed. And I think what he did tell you, I wasn't here, but I heard this from a couple of people, that most of us, we won't have a call like Moses at the burning bush. Most of us, uh, it's not going to be an angelic visitation. Uh, and so I would encourage you, like, I didn't have an angelic visitation. God didn't write it in the clouds. That's most of the time not how it's going to work. God's already told us to go. Matthew 28, Mark 16, John uh, 20, Luke 24. He's already said go. And so he said, go disciple the nations. And so the call's already there. And so I would encourage you, open up your heart. God will start to highlight things. And like I said earlier, would you lean out into missions? Would you lean out into missions? God will use you. I sat in a staff training for DTS 13 years ago across the street in this building. And a guy named Scott Conival, who leads the base in Taiwan, uh, came through here and he was moving to Taiwan. He was, went to the number one engineering school in the country at Cal Berkeley, graduated number one in his class, brilliant guy, could have done anything, probably made millions of dollars, and God called him, and he felt like he was supposed to lean into missions. And so he was here basically going, I'm moving to Taiwan, not really knowing, but I'm going to lean into missions and trust Jesus and go all in and just see. And now he's leading a, just a vibrant ministry in Taiwan, they've sent so many people into China long-term. And it's just because he leaned out into missions. He didn't know for sure. You almost will never know for sure because faith is what you don't know completely. It's the unseen and it's stepping into it. So when you start to feel 80, 90%, take the risk. Following Jesus, it's about learning to take risks and trust your good daddy. It's like I have a four-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. My daughter will do anything I tell her because she knows dad's safe. So like she'll jump off of a table into my arms because she knows dad's a good dad and she can trust me. Father God is the same way. You can trust him. And at some point, you just got to take the leap of faith and just go for it and plunge. I don't know if that answered your question, but sweet. I want to be sensitive to time. So any last question? Okay, I'll just say one more thing. We'll pray, and then we'll just hang out in the back here if you guys want to talk to us a little bit. Uh, that's the website. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, Garth, my wife's name is Caroline, uh, and Gustafson. That's on Facebook. I'm the only one with that name that lives in Badenbaum, Cambodia. So you can find me. Add me if you want to stay connected. If not, don't worry. I won't be offended. Uh, so, uh, the last thing I want to encourage you with is that, that verse, uh, that we read and I, I kind of pointed it out in verse 13, Elijah says, will you give all and, and, uh, 
it's a really difficult situation. And this is what he says in verse 13. Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. Go and do as I have said. And so I just want to exhort you as we finish this morning, don't be afraid. Step out in faith like the widow. She had everything stacked against her and she trusted and she just was obedient. In your DTS, will you trust he's a good dad? And as he calls you into these next steps and just journey with Jesus, he will be faithful. And this is one of the most repeated phrases throughout the scriptures is, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Because God knows that we struggle with fear. It's scary for us to go all in. Like Jeff's talking about in missions and lordship. Will you go all in? If you will go all in, he'll use you in crazy ways. He'll multiply. And you'll see God do amazing things. So thanks for letting me share. I just want to pray over you before we're done. And uh, really believe, like all those stories that I told you about Nim and Anna and Kuntia and Laura, just normal young people that said yes to Jesus. And God's using them to do amazing things in Cambodia. And God's using young people to do amazing things all over the world just because people say yes. So, Jesus, we just thank you for this morning. Just thank you so much for this engaged DTS, God. And I just believe you have... Uh, just a call on everyone in this room to do amazing things, amazing exploits for you, Jesus. It's not because they're amazing or we're amazing. It's because you are an amazing God. And so just help us to trust you as a good dad. Help us to step out in faith. Help us to learn from the widow and from Moses uh, and from the little boy and the story of the fishes and the loaves that we would just use what's in our hands and say yes to you, Jesus. And as we say yes to you and go all in, you will multiply and you will use our lives to bring glory to you. We want to be a part of your story. We want to be a part of you getting all the glory. So we pray that you continue just to to transform us, God. Thank you for this DTS. Transform our lives more to be more like you, Jesus, and trust you and walk in, in obedience to you. We love you, Jesus. It's all about you. It's all from you. It's all for you. And we give it all back to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, guys. It's been really fun to be with you this morning. Thanks, Marco. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, I was just thinking, man, I wouldn't ever want to get to the end of my life and and feel like I missed it, you know, like I missed out. And I just, I don't know, I was just thinking as you were sharing, I was just thinking, you know, the thrill of obedience and the joy of obedience will always outweigh the comforts of disobedience. You know, like it's the the reward of obedience is always going to be so much greater than the comfort that, you know, I get with disobedience, that I get with just sticking with what's easy and what's nice. You know, what if the greatest adventure is just ahead of us, kind of a little bit into the unknown. But, you know, what if that's really the adventure that we've been looking for all along? And um, I just really think that. Garth, you guys' stories is such a testimony to that. And Jeff as well, you know, just, it's just a simple yes. Um, yeah.